0: Hello, uh, my name is Lorenzo Van Ness and I will be having a conversation with uh, Santos uh, for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. Uh, This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans-identifying people. Uh, It's July 1st, 2017 and this is being recorded at Lorenzo's house. Great. So, what is your name and
1: your pronoun? Uh, my name and pronoun, my name is Santos, uh, my pronoun is he, him. Great.
0: So, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, where were you born, all the things.
1: Okay, well, um, let's see, I am a musician and I work as a sex educator. I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Um, let's see, I'm currently 37 years old, I was born in 1980. Um, and, let's see, I, I guess, uh, I guess to start, I was born, um, I'm, I'm Latin, obviously, um, mostly Venezuelan heritage, and, um, my parents moved here in, like, the 70s or so, and, um, you know, I, I grew up in, like, a Latin and also a very strict, um, religious household.
0: Uh, what did do you have any siblings or anything? Oh yeah, I have. Um, I'm the youngest of three. Oh okay, cool. Yeah. And you were born here in Brooklyn. I was born here in Brooklyn. Yeah. Great. So what was it like? Uh, what What is your earliest memory?
1: Oh wow. Yeah. One of my earliest memories is um, looking out the window of my second floor apartment in East New York, and kind of like. Running over to my dad while he was eating and like asking for a piece of something. So
0: yeah, food, food, yeah, food, yeah. <laughs> food,
1: and and looking out at things longingly. <laughs>
0: um, so uh, I guess what was it like to live in New York or in Brooklyn in like the
1: eighties? It was it was it was pretty. I mean, it was pretty intense. Um, like Brooklyn was very different, and I. I feel like I say that a lot to a lot of my friends, um, but, like, yeah, it was very, very, very different, especially East New York, um, like, I joke about it, but it's true, like, I learned the difference between a gunshot and a firecracker really early, and I'm sure you did, too, um, and, like, you know, it was, it was the 80s, so there was crack, right? So, um, yeah, there were, there were shootouts, and, uh, like, in, in uh, elementary school, um, we would like go in the in the yard and like look down, and there'd be all these crack vials everywhere. And we knew that we shouldn't touch them, but what we did was we would like kick them around with our feet and like make a game of like organizing them by size and color. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's funny and it's also strange, you know. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and like, and like, um, you know, like it was, there was a lot of, there was a lot of desperation, there was a lot of, um, you know, like, folks who were on drugs would come up to you, even if you were little, and, like, ask for stuff, Mm -hmm. demand stuff, so, um, you know, it's kind of a thing, like, I think about how different the city is now, for better or worse, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of not so prevalent, um, and I also, like, think about, for better or worse, like, sort of the look of the city now like one of the things that I think about as like my impression of East New York as a kid is like cracked sidewalks and abandoned lots Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and like you know now there's no abandoned lots around because every square inch is you know money that can be generated Mm -hmm. instead of money wasted back then and like the cracked sidewalks kind of is very like it's very rare that you look around in one of in any like, New York City neighborhood, and you see, like, cracked sidewalks to the point that there's, like, grass growing out of them, et cetera. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. And, um, what was your family like? What was it like to grow up with your
1: two siblings and your parents? And oh, all yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, we had a small apartment. It was, uh, like, a three-bedroom. Oh, cool. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, depending on how many people were there, because some, like, one of my cousins uh, moved up to go to Columbia. Um, so, university. yeah, university. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's important yeah. <laughs> uh, distinction. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he had one of the bedrooms, and then when I was when he was living with us when I was super little, mm-hmm. and me and my two sisters were in the like one of the bedrooms, all like kind of bucking together. And obviously, my my parents were cohabitating the master bedroom. But then, um, yeah, it was. It was a lot. Like I, I It was also very nice. Um, like I felt, I had a dad who was like very supportive. Um, my mom was really strict, and, um, you know, at the very least, like we felt like a cohesive unit. Um, you know, there was there were certain things that were kind of kind of intense, like like the strictness and and um, like. You know, like, the emotional abuse mm-hmm. um, that comes from um, having parents who were abused themselves. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really come into my emotions until I was early, uh, older. Um, but uh, I will say that it, it was, you know, I had no idea that we were poor, mm. you know? And I, I felt, like, like well-supported and well-provided for, at least in my scope of things. What were you like as a kid? What was I like as a kid? Yeah, what was, was little Santos like? I was... Um... I was a big nerd. Um, I was... Big
0: big... not <laughs> No,
1: no, I mean, I still am. <laughs> I, I was... I really, really, really wanted to be a good kid. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, um... You know, I was, like, the first to fold my hands. I was the first to, like, sit up straight. And, like, w- I really wanted, like, commendation cards and stuff that teachers gave, gave out. Um... Yeah, and I was also, like, lazy about schoolwork, which I'm lazy about everything still, um, but it's fine, um, and, um, yeah, what was I like? I guess, uh, I I, I was, I mean, I was a tomboy, too, which was a big thing for me, like, um, and I sort of forget that now, because, like, I'm a dude, <laughs> but, like being a kid, it was kind of, it was a big deal, you know, because, and, and, um, being a Jehovah's Witness, like, Mm -hmm. there were meetings three times a week, um, and sometimes, like, even going out preaching, like, after or within that, right, um, or whatever, uh, so I was in a dress a lot of the time, and I was like, this is fine, I guess, I don't like it, like, I wasn't really, I wasn't really, um, in touch with why it felt uncomfortable it felt like really formal and the formality felt embarrassing um the gender stuff was like vaguely uncomfortable but i didn't have much of a concept of my own like gender i knew that i knew that um they were trans people that wasn't a question um I mean, one of the things about growing up here, is, what, at least then, was, like, all the trash TV. Mm-hmm. So, like, do you, I don't know if you remember the Richard Bay show. Richard, The Richard Bay show was, like, a really, really, really trashy TV show. It was, like, it was like kind of the predecessor to... Oh, who's that guy? That, Springer. Springer, exactly. Yeah. It was, <laughs> like, the pre- predecessor to Springer. So it was just this really slimy guy in this stage set up in like secaucus new jersey and he had people over who were like you know would be perceived as like weird or trashy right Mm -hmm. and so um there were trans people on his show because that's weird or trashy right Mm -hmm. um but uh but i was just like fascinated and afraid Mm -hmm. um you know, and there was a show called *The Current Affair*, which was also like that was Maury Povich.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I um, Maury. <laughs> yeah, Maury, and it was a it was a magazine show. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that stuck in my mind was like this um, this expose on a gym that was only trans people, supposedly. Huh. Um, and it was like you know, video footage of people working out, right? And some people, like, people, like, had these different presentations. And it was, like, oh, my God, look at these, like, you know, I don't want to even finish that sentence. But, yeah, yeah. so, like, it was kind of, like, shocking. And I had this, like, fear of, like, if you don't figure out, like, your femininity, you're going to end up like that. Mm. Um, and and I, I would watch and record um, documentaries there's this HBO documentary that I wish I could watch now, called "What Sex Am I?" Huh. And one of the one of the main things, one of like the the common threads mm-hmm. to like the trans narrative was that it was like it was very binary, right? And it was also very like life or death, like literally. Like the the stories that I heard, at least on TV, were like. I'm going to I'm at I'm at a point where I need to kill myself or transition
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like well that's not me you know they always knew that they were whatever gender they really were and you know they fought and they blah 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 all this like really definite early childhood stuff too and I was like well that's not me I just like boys toys and not wearing dresses and forgetting that I'm a girl and all this stuff yeah. that's very trans but that wasn't so severe mm-hmm. um so yeah I mean I was I was definitely like in conflict with my gender and I was definitely like wanting to be good and wanting to like follow all the rules and so like part of that was um being okay with being feminized or trying to be okay with being feminized um you know and also like my context is was, wasn't really um, uh like I feel like the kids at school and all that other stuff um, weren't like they weren't okay with different gender presentations at the time either. Mm. So, yeah, I didn't really have a good um, touchstone for like as 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 uh, as folks say now possibility models, yeah. right? I didn't have a good touchstone for that.
0: Okay. Uh, so. In terms of at school, did you have a lot of friends and
1: stuff? Yeah, yeah. I had friends. I had friends from like from from church. Basically, mm. um, we weren't inco- encouraged to have friends at school. Um, but yeah, I would have really, really, really intense friendships. <laughs> what was Which intense is, about them? Well, I basically had crushes on these uh. people. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so I had crushes on these people, and you know, on these like. I was a little girl and I had crutches on these little girls and so it was pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but we, but we had, like, really, really good friendships and I, yeah, I felt really nice about it.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Um, and who was someone that's, like, or is really important in your life? Who would you say?
1: I'd say my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, he's, like, He's a weird dude, (laughs) and he's very, very, very flawed, but, um, like, I think of him as somebody who taught me, like, patience and objectivity and somebody, like, who saw me, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's, it's kind of a thing, like, as a kid, like, you just want to be seen, like, so badly, um, you know, and, and he saw me and he knew what I liked, and, you know, we hung out a lot, and we were buds, so, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, When did you start uh, playing music?
1: When did I start playing music? Um, I guess I started playing music when my mom went to Venezuela and brought back a cuatro when I was like six. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I just kind of had it and I played around with it and stuff. What is that? I don't know what it is. Oh, what's a cuatro? Yeah. It's a four-string guitar. Oh. So it's like a little, it's kind of like a big ukulele. So if you ever listen to salsa music or anything like that, the guitar is going to be often on a quattro.
0: A lot of times, you know, with
1: modern music, it's going to be on a six-string guitar. Yeah. Um, Also, my sister, my eldest sister, got a big um, electric piano uh, when I was maybe about, I want to say, seven or eight. Mm -hmm. And I, like, put up such a fit that I wanted an electric piano as well. (laughs) So my my parents got me a Casio SK-5, which is like a... (laughs) It's kind of a classic now, yeah. and it's it's little, and um, I, you know, at that age, I want to say some, somewhere between six and eight, um, learned by ear, like, how to play all the demo songs. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's all I know, how to play on piano now, but um, I I always, like, enjoyed, like, just messing around on the quattro and then um, when I was... Uh, well, I guess as I got older, I got more serious about messing around on the but I was, you know, I would, I would, like, down tune and make it sound like a bass and then <laughs> play along to the radio, but uh-huh. I had no idea what, like, the correct tuning was, and uh, when I was, like, 16 or so, this kid um, was, like, starting a band, which never came to fruition, but that's another story, and he, he was, like, I need a bass player, and I was like, I play bass! And I'd never touched a bass before, and um, so I I went to the music store that like that weekend, and I had all this allowance saved up because I didn't do anything.
0: Yeah,
1: I would just get allow I would just get money every week. So um, I had all this allowance saved up, and I went to the music store, and I was like, "Give me the cheapest bass you got," <laughs> and that's the stupidest thing to say. And so I, they gave <laughs> me this really shitty bass, but it worked. You yeah. Know? And as soon as I, like, like, it seems, <laughs> like, a, like it, it almost seems like a lie to say this, but it, it's true. It's, like, 100% true. Like, as soon as I, like, um, had my hands on a bass in the correct tuning, I was like, oh, this is how it works. And I I, like, figured out how to play bass, like, in a day, but I had essentially been doing all the work, you know, before that. I just didn't, like, I didn't, it's almost like. Like dancing, like if you know the right steps, you can do the dance. But if you have the movement in your body, you're ready to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's how I. That's how I learned how to play bass and how I. How I was playing music. Um,
0: And yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What um, did
1: you listen to a lot of music?
0: Oh yeah. What What were your bands? Who were your Who were Um, people?
1: Who were my people? I mean, I really liked um, punk rock at the time. Um, And at the time. Uh, everybody who I, I didn't know any punks I knew kids who were hard, hardcore kids mm-hmm. and hardcore and punk is like it's the same thing really okay. it's like there's like a, a splash more metal in hardcore mm-hmm. um but like I liked bands from the Epitaph label at, at the time so like Rancid who I still like I'm in a Rancid cover band now and um Effects and Pennywise and all the like 90s um punk bands and then um there were also like hardcore bands like um, i guess the heart and, and it's always like new york hardcore right mm-hmm. which is great because we we're talking about new york right yeah so like the new york hardcore bands at the time that i really liked um were shelter i think shelter is new york warzone definitely um and like um i guess they're not new york technically but um seven seconds mm-hmm. and like um it was one of the things that I liked most about hardcore was like it was very 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 bass heavy, and like you know the bass players were like front and center, so I, I, it was easy for me to like that stuff. Cool. Yeah.
0: Let's see. What else did you do when you were a teenager, or was it mostly music? And... It
1: was it was mostly music. Um, I dr- I was really into drawing. Mm-hmm. And I used drawing as an outlet for, like, things that I wanted to do. Um, When I moved out, which is funny, when I moved out of my parents' house, like, I didn't have that, um, those, like, really intense aspirations to do things, and I just did them. So I kind of stopped drawing ever since. Like, I draw from time to time, but I don't don't draw out of, like, need. Mm -hmm. But, like, when I was a kid, I would draw, like... And I only drew dudes. (laughs) So... That's the thing. But <laughs> um, I would draw out of, like, you know, something as simple as, like, I wish I could wear those pants, but my parents won't let me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to draw the pants that I want to wear. Um, or, like, you know, I wish I could go on a date or whatever. Um, and, um, and yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the things that I did. But um, as soon as I was uh, able to, like, kind of hang out on my own, like, I would go, I would just walk, um, like, go to the West 4th Street Station and just walk east, mm-hmm. and, like, walk that whole strip, uh, from, like, 8th Street to, like, St. Mark's Place. Uh-huh. Um.
0: How was it back then?
1: It was, I mean, my memory of it was, I, I liked it a lot, there were a lot of head shops, there were a lot of, like, t-shirts and patches to buy, um. Now it's kind of like no big deal. It's like any other street. Yeah. Um, but there were there were a lot of there were a lot of head shops and crystals and you could buy knives there back then. And I've always been obsessed with knives for some reason. Um, and uh, just like other young folks who like you meet, and it's as simple as oh, I like your patch, and then you start talking, mm-hmm. and then maybe you end up in a band together for a while. But um, It, it was, yeah, I remember it being, like, like, really wanting to go there because it was, like, um, it was, like, all of the things that I wanted to be, like, oh, right, and piercing was, like, a big thing, like, tattoos and piercings, especially at my age at the time, but also, like, because of the times, like, because of the 90s, um, it was, like, a really big deal to have a piercing or a tattoo. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of my friends, like, I would go, yeah, I would go down that street, and we would go to, like, Ends, which is now, I don't know, maybe in the East Village still? Ends kind of came down with that, like, explosion thing that happened oh. in the East Village. But it used to be on, on West 4th Street, I mean, I'm sorry, West 8th Street, um, and it was, like, a, kind of like an, al- like, an alternative clothing store in a way, mm-hmm. But then with um, piercing in the back. Ah, cool. Um, so I would go there because they wouldn't really card, gotcha. and and I would go with my friends and like watch them get pierced and stuff like that.
0: What was the first piercing or tattoo that you got?
1: What was the, the first tattoo that I got was um, this star? Well, you can't see y'all can't see it, <laughs> but it's a star, a little star on the inside of my wrist. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't identify as this now, um, but I heard this, like, uh, this thing about, like, the lesbian star. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, gay! Gay!
1: <laughs> way gay. <laughs> that, like, in the 50s, like, if you were a masculine-presenting, uh, quote-unquote, lesbian, which yeah. is, like, that translates to trans now, in my Probably, mind. Probably, yeah. Um, but there wasn't language for that then. But if you were, like, a masculine-presenting lesbian, like folks in the factory or, like, folks working wherever, like, whatever mask jobs they were working, Mm -hmm. um, would look out for each other, um, and so that was a part of why I got that, but that was the first, like, big thing that I got, and I got it on Halloween of, I want to say the year 2000. Oh, wow, cool.
0: Okay, so you're almost 20, or you were 20.
1: I was just, just barely 20, yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Um... And so you said you also, you mentioned you moved out of your family's house. How, how old were you, and
1: what happened there? <laughs> it was dramatic. <laughs> I was... Yes, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I was 19, mm-hmm. um, and I had been with my first girlfriend for a couple of months, mm-hmm. um, and my mom freaked out because I got sick, and I just stayed there for days and days and days.
0: At your girlfriend's house? At my
1: girlfriend's house. Oh. Um... And she was like, you know, why didn't you come home, blah, 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 you're always staying over her house. Are you and her lesbians? (laughs) So this is preceded a couple years before by a rumor, which was true, that I had been walking around the school holding somebody's hand, holding another girl's hand. Uh My cousins told my mom, I was like, exactly. Tattletales. Tattletales. (laughs) It's because we were, were like, the good kids, but we were also, like, fucking and doing all this shit. So, you know, and the other cousins were, like, the bad kids, but they were doing the same shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, you know, my mom asked me back then, when I was, like, 16 or so, if I was a lesbian... And I was like, no. And then I was like, shit, I should have told her. And I was like, you know what? The next time she asked me, I'm going to say yes. Uh-huh. So the next time came three years later.
0: Yeah.
1: When I, you know, all that stuff that I told you, mm-hmm. told you about. And then, um, so I said yes. And she flipped, right? Because I'm her second queer child. Oh. My eldest sister is also gay. <laughs> so, so she's just like. You know And
0: they knew at the time
1: They knew at the time oh, Yeah, that's funny So my eldest sister came out When I was 16 Oh <laughs> So yeah So she was So yeah So um So yeah my mom Just like freaked out And I was like You know what I'm gonna I'm gonna get a haircut Like give me 20 bucks I'll be back And I just didn't go back Um So I just kind of like Freaked out And ran straight to Bay Ridge Where my Girlfriend was living at the time And um just like cried and cried and cried for like three months, and I had no idea what like real life was like. It was very sheltered. Mm-hmm. I was just like, This woman makes as much as my parents make combined, like, I'll be fine, I don't have to do anything. Your girlfriend, my girlfriend, yeah. Oh, wow, what was she doing? At the time? She was, um, she, she was a temp, uh huh. Um, but she worked, uh, she word processing for, um, for like different, like, either lawyers or like law firms or, um. Or, like, uh, financial houses, like, cool. city group and stuff like that. Sweet. So, yeah, so she just she worked nights, and they paid her a lot. And she still makes a ton of money, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, I was like, oh, I should be fine. And then she was kind of like, I'm not going to give you money. And I was like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I ended up figuring out how to work. That's, that's how I, that's, I mean, that's how I learned, I mean, I was terrible, I would, like, cry because she had to go to work, and I would be alone. I know, it's like, get a, get a life, like, figure yourself out. <laughs> Poor baby. Yeah, I was, I was, I was pitiful, and, you know, we kind of, like, did the job of, like, raising each other, um, because she was extra, and I was extra, and we were very, very young. And we've apologized to each other for various things since... In, <laughs> in, like, ten years or whatever since our relationship has ended. Yeah. Um, and we're still friendly, so... Yeah. That's that's how I moved out, though. And then, you know... What was your first job? My first... What was my first job? My first job was... Uh, I worked at haagen on 86th Street in Bay Ridge. mm mm-hmm. um, I... Gained twenty pounds. <laughs> yeah,
0: I yeah. see you. I, It was amazing. I'm like, let's go get ice cream now. La-
1: yes, <laughs> let's get ice cream all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. I, I mean, it wasn't great, but I loved the, I loved the ice cream. My boss that was great about it. That was great about it. My bosses were incredibly anal retentive, and they mm. didn't like it when they wanted me to scoop in the way that the video showed me to scoop in the beginning, like when they hire you, you know, the training VHS that's all Skippy. So they. <laughs> they wanted me to scoop uh, exactly like that. Like, exactly four, six, and eight eight-ounce portions. Because if I scooped a half-ounce more, that would cost them an extra 50 cents. Yeah. So. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after that, what did I do? I I took lots of different jobs. I, I worked for... Um, I worked for a porn uh, distributor for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that was cool. That was on... It was, a, like, everything was weird just because I didn't know how to set boundaries, I guess. So people would, like, like for instance, like, you know, at Hagenaz when I worked there, like, people would ask me personal questions, and I wouldn't be like, that's a personal question. I'd just be like, uh, you know, I guess I'm going to answer this, but I don't feel comfortable about it. Yeah. And same with the porn distributor. People were like, oh, my God, you bought gay porn? Why would a lesbian want gay porn? And I was like, why would anybody want porn, you know? Or, like, whatever, um, so, like, so, yeah, I feel like that's also, like, around the time when I was exploring desire and stuff, too, which, I don't know, you asked me about something completely
0: different. Oh, yeah, tell me about exploring (laughs) desire, what does that mean? What does that
1: mean? I mean, um, so, when I worked at the porn distributor, um, it also coincided with me, I was probably about 22 at the time. And it coincided coincided with me, um, like, uh, hanging out with, like, some of the TERFs, and for those folks who don't know what TERF means, it's, like, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. So, um, like, and and to explain that even further, that means, like, uh, largely women, uh, cis women, non-trans women, who believe that trans women are not women, basically. Um, so their version of feminists, version of feminism, like, has to do with, like, what they believe cis women want and need.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I hung out, I was, like, trying to figure out, like, how to be a dyke, and I was in a band with these women, yeah. I was in a, I was in a band with, uh, like, some women, and I really, like, I still had that, like very, like, young, fresh-faced, like, wet-behind-the-ears thing of, like, maybe if I'm, like, really, like, friendly, like, these people will accept me and give me, like, all of the love that I need, um, you know? And so I was, like, really, like, hanging out with them and wanting to be like them and be cool like them and all that stuff. And, um, like some people were kinky and some people like were exploring like masculinity and that to me was like amazing Mm -hmm. Um, because I had always like sort of secretly explored masculinity and like inched my way over toward being more masculine Mm -hmm. Um, but I still like tweezed my eyebrows like crazy and you know wore women's clothing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. Um, and so like I was talking with one of the people there like one of the people who were in this like one friend group and um you know we were talking about like porn and i was like surprised that they also like secretly watched gay porn and i was just like oh you know it's so external and you know that they're not faking it when they have orgasms and all this stuff um so like you know that was kind of like the excuse uh, but also they that person turned out to be a trans guy, <laughs> so it was it was a weird time too because it was like, um, like I was I was in this I was in this play like I was I was one of the musicians in this play that was a, about um, about like being masculine presenting but your allegiance should be to women
0: mm.
1: so it kind of like. Set my transition back like a couple years. That yeah. a lot to, a lot of thinking to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess like my like my exploration of desire was like mostly like trying to figure out like it had to do with figuring out my gender and my relationship between my gender and the people who I desire. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: in that during that time as well, um, I was you know I mentioned like dating women. Um, but also, like, it was partially out of, like, and I always feel weird saying this or whatever, but this is where I was at the time, it was partially out of, like, wanting to avoid dating men, mm-hmm. because, like, I was, I was always, um, like, feminized by men, mm. and, like, women and the gay women that I dated at the time were, like, really happy to masculinize me, and I was like, word, this is great. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. There's also like a thing, just to kind of like bring it to the present day. Like there's a thing where I don't, I don't, I currently like don't really date women. um, And and it it feels very like heterosexual to me to date women. And one of the common threads is like I just don't have a heterosexual sexuality. Um, So like I recently like. Had a, a lovely hookup with a woman who I'm like kind of have a crush on, and I was surprised by it. I was like, "How's this? How's this gonna work?" Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm gay, and I'm also attracted to you, which wasn't confusing. It was just like we got to go easy because if we really push it, this isn't gonna work. Yeah. Um, but uh, kind of like interacting with her, and also like in, interacting in bed, but also interacting like in general, like. I'm very aware of like masculine being a dominant, like masculinity mm-hmm. being a dominance thing. So like, there's like lots of things that I will and won't do, like in and out of bed, to kind of like subvert that feeling of like heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So um, you were saying that at the time that at the beginning, early on, you were mostly dating women. Yeah. When did you start? dating men or other people of other genders?
1: Pretty much when I started taking testosterone. Oh, okay, and when was that? Uh, that was August of 2005, um, and four, four months later, like, I had my first hookup with this guy, and then, I mean, it's partially out of, like, it's kind of a trope but it's a trope because it's true right (laughs) yeah that like you get you get really horny like after you start taking tea yeah um but also like I wanted to explore my gender in that way that I like when I started like as soon as I started getting like peach fuzz on my body I was like I I don't like if somebody can enjoy this body um while it's like masculine or masculinizing um whatever that means um then like you know i don't know it was also it was also partially like in the i keep forgetting that in the beginning i had a problem i i kind of developed like a sex addiction Mm. and i I might have told you this i don't know um but like it was like a lot of this like a lot of the stuff that i'm telling you i guess i'm like noticing this common theme of like Wanting to be accepted really badly. Um, and so, like, a big part of my sex addiction was, like, wanting to be seen as a man by gay men. Mm. Um, and so, like, every time, like, I fucked a gay man, or they fucked me, or whatever, it was like, okay, that's validation. And then, you know, they say something weird, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you know, like... Oh my god! It's been so long since I've had sex with a woman, and it's like, no. Yeah, you just ruined it. You Damn ruined you. it. One hundred percent.
0: So. Got to shh. Yeah, sh-
1: <laughs> just <laughs> Just shh. Just shut up. We can. I don't care what you think. Yeah, just keep it in there. Just, just keep it in your brain. Yeah. So, um, you know, so that, that's the that's a roller coaster ride, and always chasing that is a roller coaster ride, and 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 having that be, like, one of your sole sources of self-esteem or, like, yardstick for what masculinity is or for what, like, gayness is or for all that stuff, like, you know, that's not healthy. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so that's, that's another, it's another thing. Yeah. I forget what your question was, though. Uh,
0: I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Something about having sex with men.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, when did I start having sex with yeah, like, them? And, and people of other Yeah, 2005. And people of other genders as well. Yeah. Um, I also didn't have very many uh, partners up until that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I could count them on my hands. Um, and after that, it just, like, there were lots more. <laughs> and I, and I, I think that's great, Yeah, you know? Um, and I think that... Um, I also think that, like, having sex opens up friendship... Because mm. it opens up trust it's true. and vulnerability. And um, at a certain time, I didn't have any friends that I hadn't had sex with. Mm. And then, like, I think that's great, too. Um, if that works, like, if that works for you, listener, that's great. <laughs> if it doesn't, like, cool. Um, do you? Do you, yeah. I think, that, I think that, like, the vulnerability and pleasure and trust that come from, like, having sex with friends can be great. So, I'm, I'm for like, getting your life, getting your pleasure, all that stuff. Okay. Um, let's see other questions.
0: Well, what? Uh, ooh, how would you? Do, so, can you tell me more about your relationships?
1: My relationships, yeah. Yeah,
0: like I know you were dating that person at, mm-hmm. at twenty or nineteen. Yeah. And other relationships. Yeah. Definitely. Tell me about them. Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm. Uh, not monogamous, right? Uh, So all of the sex that I was talking about having um, was uh, within the context of, like, one primary relationship or another. Um, So that's one thing, right? And I don't, like, a lot of people describe that as poly. I don't really describe that as poly, like, polyamorous, Mm -hmm. because I think that polyamory is, like, wanting to fall in love or build loving relationships with people. And the way that I'm wired, um, I can, I have a lot of energy for one main person, Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, and by a lot of energy, I mean, like, most of my relationships, I've had, I'm in, I'm in my third, like, primary relationship, um, my other two were seven years each. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, I was in a relationship with this woman named Eva, For seven years, from like 19 to 26, and then I was in a relationship with someone named Jess from 26 to 30 something, I forget. And then now I'm in a relationship with Alex, um, and we've been in a relationship for probably like three, four years or so. Um, And I'm hoping we can beat seven. Uh, So, um, yeah, so. My relationships have been, um, you know, really sweet. And I mentioned, like, the first one was, uh, we were kind of figuring out what it means to be adults in relationships. Mm-hmm. I was 19, she was 22, uh, when we started dating. Um, with Jess, uh, I think we had the adult part figured out, but not the communication part. Mm-hmm. Um, so communication was a really, really big thing. Um, he was wonderful and very intuitive, but he also, you know, sometimes made a lot of assumptions. Mm. And I didn't have a way of um, advocating for myself with those within those assumptions. Like, I just didn't know how. Gotcha. Um, and with Alex, I mean, he's... 10 years younger than I am. 10 years and a week younger.
0: (laughs) Very specific. Yeah,
1: very specific. (laughs) 10 years and a week to the day. But, um, he's also surprisingly adept with emotions. Like, I think about where I was at his age and I had no clue, but I have to remember not to compare those things Mm. because we're very, very different people. Mm. Um, so with him, um, you know he will remind me that like we don't always have to want the same things mm. or like you know in other relationships where i've dated other where i've i'm not going to say dated anymore cuz that's you know in other relationships where i fucked other people mm. sometimes i would come back and my my partner would be mad
0: mm.
1: and it's like i told you i was going to do this we agreed on it you said it was okay i'm going to do it and i do it and then you're mad and it's not like they have every right to of course they have every right to be mad yeah but it feels strange like we'll talk about your anger it feels strange to focus on my actions Mm -hmm. when it's like you know i kind of i played by the book you're having feelings let's talk about your Mm feelings i didn't know how to do that then but that's not what i'm getting at right now um like Alex made a joke recently to me about um about like you know something about about having sex with somebody um, and I was like oh that's hot and I was like ha 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 I just had sex with somebody else and then he didn't respond and I was like Oh my god are you okay is this okay? Should I like and he's like he's like oh I was just like watching Star Trek. I'm sorry. Like I didn't respond just then but he was like he was like it's okay, like listen, um like I know that Like we don't really talk about it very much, um, just because it's not really built into our relationship to talk about it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, He's like, but I know that you go out, and I know that you have a lot of sex with a lot of people, and I think that's great, and I'm glad that you're getting your life. And I was like, oh, that's probably like one of the more amazing things a partner has said to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's great. That's cute. Yeah.
0: Cute.
1: Yes, it's very cute
0: other questions ah on my belly okay so hmm what about your relationship to other trans and gender nonconforming people
1: tell me more about this okay I will tell you more about that I love trans and gender nonconforming people yeah trans and gender nonconforming people are my favorite people yeah um and I don't know if you heard that all but there was just a wonderful shock of thunder (laughs) yeah um, but yeah, I, I, I feel I'm most interested in pursuing friendship and partnership, etc. Like, like, like sharing myself with trans and gender non-conforming people. Um, right now, I'm in a band with, and it's a band that I've been in for like five years with my best friend, who is also trans. And our drummer who is also trans, and I'm so that's my my one like band that I consider my main band. But I'm also in a band, and that's a band called Trashy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with Al Rosenberg and Jane Henson. And I'm also in a band called Choked Up with Christy Rode, um, who is a wonderful um, artist and musician. Um, you should look her up, obviously, and. Uh, like, you know, there's lots of, um, like, ideas of transness and gender, con- gender nonconformingness within that band as well. Um, the only person I'm going to out is myself, though. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, lo- uh, like lots of people play with gender in different ways in that band as well. And and also embody different genders. Like, even femme as a gender can be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I... We do... So... Al Rosenberg, who is uh, in Trashy, um, does something called Brooklyn Transcore, which is, um, it culminates as a stage on Punk Island, mm-hmm. Punk Island being New York's uh, largest um, DIY like punk uh, show, long story short. Like, there's like 100 bands, 10 stages, all free, um, and it happens on one island or another. Um, in New York, mm-hmm. and then we have a stage. We've had a stage for the last four years, called Brooklyn trans Corps But we also like have always aimed to have it as like a series of shows as well. And it's great because um, we can fo- we can um, showcase um, like different trans and queer uh, performers, um, and also it fosters a community, which is great.
0: And, um, how did Brooklyn Transcore come about?
1: Um... Were you
0: part of the...
1: I was part of the... Inception. I was part of the Inception. Um, we... It was literally like we saw something that wasn't there. Or something that, like, sort of was almost there. Didn't quite have shape or something. Didn't quite have shape, yeah. Like, we weren't the only people who had used the phrase Brooklyn Transcore. Um... But we wanted to make book on Transcore like a thing, and we literally wanted to do it to promote our band and other bands. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of us like thought about um, recognition or um, community at the time. But like, I think that it it's kind of a thing now, and it's great. Um, and we're you know I don't want to say that we're the only people who did it or we're the first or whatever, but. I do want to say that we did a thing that people people enjoy and and some people benefit from, so I think that's great. Cool. Yeah. Um
0: let's see Uh what does community mean to you?
1: I when I think of community, I think of support and um like yeah, and like seeing folks, who you know, and um, I think of going to shows alone and just being able to say hi to lots of people that you already know mm-hmm. so that's, my fav- that's one of my favorite ways of, of experiencing community like, like feeling commonality and, mm-hmm. and care I cool.
0: um, guess uh, how would you describe your gender?
1: I would describe my gender as Masculine mm-hmm. Um I Um am, I feel like Walking around in the street um, I embody man- manhood mm-hmm. I suppose Even though saying it even feels weird yeah. Um But I You know to, to, to use a phrase Like I live as a man Um And then I understand that that's a thing. Um and I feel like my gender encompasses manhood, like I don't feel like manhood encompasses my gender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Although like in the Venn diagram they're like not that far terribly far apart. Um So uh, I think of I think of my gender as like yeah, like like masculine definitely. Um I'm not somebody who's afraid of talking. When I was little about when I was a little girl, um, I don't think I do it that much because, for some people, it's disruptive
0: mm.
1: and distracting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I'm not like afraid of it. And if I'm comfortable with somebody and they know my deal, like yeah, I'll talk about it um, and positively. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Do, 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 uh, I
0: guess. Is there anything else that you I wanted was, to add? I was just yeah. thinking about,
1: like, in in that masculinity, there's, like, this longing for, like, certain femininity, mm-hmm. and even though things aren't, like, as binary as that, um, there are a lot of things that I wish I could do that I can't do. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, paint my nails. I can't paint my nails. I can't, yeah. I just don't feel comfortable. Oh, okay. I've really, like, I get really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Why do um, you just paint one? No, still. Too much? Too much. Okay. Um, Clear? but here it's like iffy which is like I'm like come on like but it's like it's like it's like panicky yeah yeah I don't well I mean that has nothing to do with gender expression or whatever it's like but I don't like buying underwear (laughs) so I get the same panic the the, it's oh my god it's dysphoria (laughs) oh my god anyway so I get dysphoric hello this is therapy now I get, I get, it, I get the same kind of panic I feel buying undies that I do, um, painting my nails. Huh.
0: Yeah. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Boxers or, or reefs? Now I'm scared.
1: Trunks. <laughs> trunks. <laughs> Boxers today, because it's, uh, laundry day. Ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> also, I don't know if, if y'all, well, y'all don't know this, but I'm, it's a very hot July day. <laughs> I biked over here, and immediately I biked to Lorenzo's house, and immediately I was like, "Would you mind if I if I took off my pants?" So we're doing this we're doing this interview, and I'm in my undies.
0: Yeah, we're on the floor. We're on the floor. My bedroom.
1: Yeah, and it's very comfortable. It's Pretty chill. Yeah.
0: Let's see. Um, underpants.
1: Huh.
0: <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Um. What about, do, do things like, um, have you ever, do you ever feel like you've had to choose between expressing your gender identity and economic security or social, ease or acceptance or anything?
1: No, um, because my, my gender identity always came 1st mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like I'm somebody who has always, like, made the whatever it is that I am come first. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, a lot of people, like, I guess the outcome of me coming from such a conformative, con, uh, conservative and conforming background um, meant that, like, I always wanted to, like, be as loud about whatever it is that I am as yeah. possible, That's so, um, so, yeah, like, when I was, I guess, in yes and no, right, because that, like, showing up as, like, a young butch, right? to a job interview and giving those signals um, means that you know, you're, you're probably, you're often not going to get the job as like a secretary
0: yeah.
1: right? Um, so I guess in that way, in ways that I didn't realize were affecting me they had been affecting me mm-hmm. um, and also like safety, you know, like you're not terribly safe if people are always coming up to you and asking you like. What gender you are, um, but uh, but in terms of like 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 have I lost a job over it? Have I lost housing? Like no, and uh, I'll I'll definitely be the first to admit that like other people have it like it's a, a far more complex question for lots of other people. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. What about um, your experience with like healthcare and like mental health and stuff like that? What tell me?
1: <laughs> I've I've been very lucky. Um, I I also am kind of easy to please, so there are a lot of there are a lot of times when like stuff that would bother other people do- doesn't bother me. Um, I have had my like pretty much all of my transition stuff. Through Sweet. yeah, and I've I've been satisfied with their service. Um, lots of other people go to Cal and, Lord and fucking hate it. So um, you know, and I've been I've been misgendered there, and I've just been like, hey, you guys, this nurse misgendered me, and they've been like, oh, oh, that's terrible. That's all I need personally. Um, but uh. Yeah, I mean, mental health stuff is, like, a continuing thing. I, you know, have been in therapy on and off for a long time. And I also happen to have friends who, like, some of whom are social workers, etc. So, like, I can confide in in my, like, smart, very caring, very intuitive friends. Um, you know. And, yeah, so... So yeah, I'm also, I'm like optimistic and I've been very fortunate as well and all that stuff.
0: And did you start going to Kalin Lord like in two thousand five when you started getting T and stuff? I started
1: I cool. started going to Kalin Lord so that I could transition.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah. So what are are is there anything that someone really needs to know if they're like to understand Santos you need to know X, Y, and Z.
1: Um they need to understand, uh, that I'm really aware of the class gap, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that, um, like, it's one, it's probably one of the things that enrages me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dog walker for a really long time, and I was, like, the only thing that I had in my house was, like, a futon on the floor, and I would listen to my mentally ill, like, downstairs neighbor crying, um... And then I would wake up, go to a million dollar Park Avenue apartment, and walk their fucking dog. You know, and get treated like the help. Because I was, right? Um, and th- there's this. I think, like, if we're talking about New York, we're talking about, like, intense divergence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about, like, I was talking. I mentioned earlier, like, you know, um, like, people. Um, kind of not having anything to do, anywhere to go, etc., and turning to drugs, and being, like, really aware of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, like, not being a part of it. Um, And I feel like I'm somebody who's, like, dodged a lot of bullets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, like, yeah, I mean, that, you know, like, loving... Like really valuing like work and smarts and street smarts, um, like I I'm I'm definitely a New Yorker and that I I love a good hustle. And if somebody hustles me and and I you know fall for it, and I realize it, I, maybe I'm mad, but I'm also like, damn, that was real smart. <laughs> so yeah, um, and. I'm a softie, and I like care, and I like giving care, so.
0: And, um, have you always lived in New York? Yeah. Okay, did you you ever live anywhere else for any nope. period of
1: time? No. Okay. I mean, technically, I lived in, in Venezuela for, like, a month when oh, I was a kid, cool. but I don't know if that's living there or being on vacation. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of iffy when it's a month.
0: Where in Venezuela were you um, There for
1: that time? I was mostly at my grandma's house in La Guayra, which is, like, a little... Uh, it's not a little town, but it's it's a city that's right next to the capital oh, okay. of Caracas which is the capital cool. And have, she also should back. No, I want I would love to go back. I would love to go back but not now. <laughs> not now I will I, you know people can't eat yeah you know it's ba- it's really bad. Um, so it's a it's a beautiful country or at least I remember it being a beautiful country. Um like, one of the things I think about about my family is, like, my grandma, who was a nurse in, like, the 50s, um, and, uh, she, she, uh, she, I got distracted because I thought of a totally different story, which I really want to tell, but okay. I'll tell you in a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my grandma, who was a nurse in the 50s, um, she worked really hard and saved up for a uh, beach house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on a little island called Margarita, right? Mm-hmm. And then the house—they don't have—they don't have, um, they, don't have na- they don't have numbers. They have names. Mm. So um, her house is called "Me Esfuerzo," and that's—that means my effort. Um, so I think that that's like that. Really, like it really like fortifies my heart <laughs> to think about that. To think about like the 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 deep respect that, that folks can have for for each other and for their own effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool.
0: So what was that other story you wanted to tell us?
1: The other story was um, about the first time I ever used my given name. Okay. Did I ever tell you the story? No. Okay. Uh, so I was like twenty four, I wanna say and I'm thinking about like things that people should know about me or people should people maybe people would benefit from. So I was twenty four and my first partner was a burlesque dancer. So we went to a lot of burlesque shows. And there was one um, one show where somebody was like unzipping their boot. And they were inviting different people from the audience. Mm-hmm. Or inviting one person from the audience to unzip it for them. Mm-hmm. And they were like, can we have a volunteer? And then I wanted to do it really badly, but I didn't. And then somebody else volunteered and did it. And then I went up. And she was like, no, 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 the moment's past, sweetie. So I was like, all right, yeah, that's cool. And then afterward, I go out and I smoke a cigarette. And then I hear this woman um, who was like, you know, I just hear this like tiny little voice or whatever. And she was like, you should have done it. You would have been way cuter. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah? And then <laughs> she's like, what's your name, sweetheart? And I was like, <laughs> it's Santos. And she was like, Santos, huh? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, Santos, I should tell you about my Tio Carmelo. <laughs> and then she she told me about her Tio Carmelo, right? Yeah. Her Tio Carmelo was not always her Tio Carmelo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was her Tia Carmela.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Her, um, for folks who don't speak Spanish, that's uh, Uncle yeah. Carmelo, yeah. right? Who was once her Aunt Carmelo. Mm-hmm. So... She was saying that this is in Mexico back in the day, I don't know when I'm assuming maybe the fifties um, but uh he had a wife, he had kids, and he had land, right? things that a woman did not have, but she was like, "You could not tell him that that was not his wife, those were not his kids, and that was not his land like you know. And this is to somebody A, like, what is this story? What are you telling me right now? I just, for the first time, use my real name. Yeah. Right? And second, um, this is coming on the heels of Okay, I'm trans, but I'm not I'm, like, doing this outside of things that apply to my heritage. Mm -hmm. I'm not Mexican, but it's, you know Pan-American thing. Um, Like the Latin experience, I really believe that. And so, I was just like, my mind was blown, and I thought that that was, like, the best, and I still think the best possible way to, to for somebody to welcome you into your own name. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I remember that also, like, that's another thing, like, that really fortifies my heart, so. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Good story. Yeah.
1: Thanks. <laughs>
0: um... Are there any other like really memorable things that you're like? Oh man, this is a good time.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> man, it's it's like it's like I feel so. I feel I feel it feels a little shallow, but it's it feels a little shallow to say. Um, but it's also like nice in a way. Um, like I remember nice things that people say to me in bed. Mm-hmm. Um no, I'm serious I remember nice things That people say to me In bed And I think it's I think it It's It's Like trumped up And like a little romantic And you're On a different plane Right But it's also like Probably some of the Loveliest things That people have ever Said to me Um And the loveliest moments And I think that Like People should value that And cherish that And I think people should Value and cherish pleasure mm-hmm. Um And I also think that it's important to, to not, um, it's, it's super important to like see that for what it is and also to like find your own value Mm -hmm. and like really, really like figure out what your heart wants. And that sounds corny to say, but it's true. Um, and value that and, and go, go for what you need. And know that that's going to change. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see. I guess if you wanted to be remembered for one thing, what would it be?
1: Um, if I only get to be remembered for one thing, I suppose it would be my bass playing. Okay. Wow. Um, I would. I would love to be. I would. I would love. I would love it if people like. James Jameson, who was the Motown bass player, right? You hear Motown and you hear his bass playing and you're like, that's James Jameson. I would love it if somebody could listen to something and be like, that's Santos. That'd be cool. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah. Do, you, do you... What is your relationship with your bass?
1: <laughs> um,
0: do you have a name? What's, <laughs> what's the story there?
1: Um, I don't have a name. I, I get a new bass every once in a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I have a particular sound that mm-hmm. I look for. Um and I guess if people are into bass like I like humbuckers and I like a very trebly sound and I play um I do like walking uh bass lines, like scales, uh and I try to play very fast. And I think that probably what you might have noticed is that I try to give all my ideas about something. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk to me, and I do the same on bass. So I want to kind of say all the things as quickly as possible in whatever format I have. Um, and so that's that's the way that I play, and, uh, and, and in terms of my relationship, like, it's my number one stress relief. Mm-hmm. If I need, if I, like, am angry and I need a nap and I can't nap, like, I'll go to Guitar Center and I'll play, and I'll, it'll be, like, hitting the refresh button so yeah Sweet.
0: Mm-hmm. so any last, any last words that you want to include in the uh, podcast kind of thing?
1: I mean not, not really I mean I think that um, I hope that if, if there's anything that I want to say to like the general public like please fucking respect each other
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, even people who you don't think deserve respect even people who especially especially people who don't notice people working the register, people who you walk by on the street. Those are people They have their own individual lives and they deserve respect. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening.